Welcome to the Equest podcast. This is a special edition. Conversations with and for the Irish authorized funds industry with your host, Daniel Lawler. This episode specifically is inspired by Funds Ireland Minicon, a virtual conference taking place week commencing the 2nd of November 2020 and for the funds industry. CP86, the final chapter, transforming challenge into best practice. RSVP over at www.fundsirelandminicon.com. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the Equest podcast with me, Danny Lawler. This is another in our series in the lead up to the CP86 Minicon, which takes place in the first week of November. And my guest for this episode is Owen Motherway of AMX. Owen and his colleague Nicola Garrity are delivering, owning, leading the session on CP86 Solutions Staff Up or Third Party. That's the second session of the Minicon. It takes place on Tuesday, November the 3rd, and uh, it begins at 2 p.m. Irish time, 9 a.m. Eastern. Owen, as you will hear very shortly, if you don't already know the guy, is a very proud Cork man who could, in fact, talk for Ireland. And so I had to cut him off after about 25 minutes because I said, Owen, you're giving away all the content. You'll have nothing left to say at Minicon. Anyway, uh, I managed to get him to put a cap on it uh, and leave some of the good stuff for the session at Minicon on the 3rd. But notwithstanding, he had lots of interesting little insights to give. And we talked in the podcast around, well, firstly, is it the death of the SMIC? Have we, have we seen the end of the self-managed investment company? Then we talked about the structuring options available to those SMICs and legacy mancos who are going to have to do something about the resourcing model. We talked about the four options available to them and some of the pros and cons of each of those. And that'll be done in a lot more detail at the Minicon itself. And finally, we talked about this idea of unmanageable conflicts of interest between mancos, third-party mancos particularly, and their investment managers, and whether they're reconcilable. So lots of good content there in this podcast, but obviously, just a teaser for what you're likely to hear at the uh, CB86 Solutions section on the 3rd of November. So if you haven't already, do sign up for Funds Ireland Minicon. It's free to do, couldn't be easier. Check out fundsirelandminicon.com, hit the RSVP button, fill out the form and you're in. And not only are you in, but you're up for a wonderful goodie bag. The total value of the goods in there, oh gosh, Last I heard, it was 2,000 euros plus, but it's increasing every day. Uh, so do sign up. You get free, free access to the Minicon and a free goodie bag with lots of tasty goodies in there. I think we're giving away uh, access to a new uh, online training program we have on use of eligible assets. I think we're also chucking in uh, a template document for Fundmancos from our online shop. Uh, there's other firms in there. You can get personal development. You've got personal branding. Uh, discounts in there and there's lots of different uh, businesses around the country that we've been able to support and been good enough to chip in. So that goodie bag is pretty tasty. Get your hands on it. Sign up, funsartaminicon.com. And with that, on with the show. Hello, Owen Motherway, and welcome to the Equest podcast. Great to have you on the show. How is lockdown life in County Cork? Thanks, Danny. Delighted to be here. Um, it's been interesting. I think um, everyone has had a slightly different experience. Um, we have a team of 40 people. Uh, and I think depending on your domestic circumstance through the various phases of lockdown, 
uh, you had different experiences. So we, we had some colleagues who live alone. We have some colleagues who are single parents. We have some colleagues who have many children and trying to do all of it together has had uh, different challenges for everyone. So thankfully we seem to have come through the summer and uh, into schools and we, we'll see where the next few weeks take us, I think. I guess as a proud Cork man, Corkonian, uh, the fact that you're, we're in level three and you're not allowed to leave the borders of beautiful County Cork doesn't, doesn't cause you any stress. Uh, no, no, we're, we're officially the, uh, the biggest country in Ireland, I think, at this point. Uh, delighted to hear it. And we will catch up on the specifics of Cork in a separate podcast. But for this one, um, I really want to focus on Minicon, CP86 Minicon taking place the first week of November. So yourself and Nicola Geraghty and AMX are managing and leading the second session at Minicon, which is on Tuesday, the 3rd of November, 2 p.m. Irish time, 9 a.m. Eastern. And it's all about the, I guess the, the title is the CP86 Solutions Staff Up or Third Party. Uh, so we want to get a sense for what people listening in and tuning in for that session can expect. And I guess you're going to start with, is it the death of SMICs? Have we seen the end of the self-managed investment company model? So let's start with that, Owen. What do you think? Um, <clears throat> I, I think maybe its death has already happened. I, I think we have been in conversation with a lot of the law firms very recently as we, as we take our own product to market. And it's fair to say that most of the law firms would admit they haven't launched a new SMIC somewhere in the region of 12 to 18 months. So in the last 12 to 18 months, they have not launched a SMIC. Um, so I think the SMIC is actually dead. Um, however, there are a large number of SMICs obviously still present and operating properly and all of that uh, good stuff. Um, but where does their future lie, I think, depends on on things that will unfold over the coming weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And as we record, uh, we haven't yet had the central bank's DRCO letter with the outcome of the CP86 thematic inspection. It hasn't been published yet, but uh, it is due quite imminently. And the general expectation is that it will push the legacy, the, those older SMICs and, and MANCOs, to revisit their resourcing models so that it matches with something uh, more in line with what a newer manco would do these days. And broadly, you're talking about three full-time equivalents as your line in the sand and, and work from, from there at some point. But when it comes to this mix, I think you're right. We haven't seen very many of them recently. And whilst it certainly was a very popular option a few years ago when expectations around resourcing were different, as you get to having DPs or committing 50, 60, 70 days to, to uh, designate person roles, um, the economics and the rationale for the SMIC model just don't add up, I guess. They probably don't. And I think it is worth saying for the listeners who are investors um, that there's nothing wrong or untoward with a fund that's running itself as a SMIC. It's, it's run in a regulated fashion. It's just the landscape and the expectation of substance and requirements is changing. So there's, there's no two ways about it, but the landscape for SMICs is going to get more expensive. Either you will have to put in your own substance uh, in a SMIC, uh, or there's, an, there's basically four options left. The, the SMIC can leave the jurisdiction and go somewhere else, which nobody wants. We've all spent a lot of time um, building this industry up for the last 30 years. We don't want to see any client leave the jurisdiction. Your other options are you put in your own management company, um, 
that's an expensive business on, on a number of fronts. It can vary between 1.8 and 6 million a year to run it. Uh, equally, you have to find the staff and finding staff is, is hard at the moment, particularly in the compliance um, or risk functions. Your other options are you go for a third party solution. Um, so turn yourself into a, a, an ICAV fund perhaps and go on to somebody's third party management company. And lastly, the other option is to look at a platform offering um, where they will do all of the various regulatory filings and financial filings and, and you get left to run the money on behalf of the investor. So there, there are, are options available, but I think it is time for the various houses running SMIX to really start considering which option they're going to plumb for. Yeah, uh, that's right. And I think that um, that that time frame for deciding and moving is upon us. I don't think that uh, we're expecting much more of a frame or a gap to, to get there. So let's just look at those options in a little bit more detail. The first one around this, you're absolutely right. It has been a model that we've had for a while. It's been a very effective model. We haven't seen that investors have had poor outcomes as a result of the SMIC model. So there's no question about it from that front. I guess it is just that the landscape has changed. I don't see there being a regulatory prohibition on SMICs. So I don't think it's going to come in that shape. But um, putting the resources into a SMIC to get it to a position where it will comply with the new substance requirements uh, probably is a possibility, but may not be something that, that a lot of mancos or, or a lot of providers can do in practice. Uh, because when you're talking about this amount of time commitment from across this range of DPs, it's going to be a challenge to get, uh, to get DPs who can commit that amount of time into that kind of structure. You say that's fair, so it's likely to be the economics and the, the practicalities that see, see, the, see the SMICs kind of mostly migrate away from this model rather than anything on the regulatory front specifically. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point. Um, it, it's not a regulatory issue. It, it's, a, it's a substance and a cost issue. Um, I do think though, if you look at one of our close neighbors with their large fund domiciles in Luxembourg, this make model has all but disappeared from hundreds of them down to single digit numbers. So my sense is Ireland will play out in exactly the same fashion it's a case of how long will it take to play out and are you going to be a first mover and get the right people and the right solution ahead of others? Are you, are you going to have to join the herd uh, and try and um, get a solution that way, which may take time and no doubt when the letter comes out, there will be some form of time horizon on it. I think there will. I think it would, it's hard to conceive it, there won't be. So assuming that you're not one of the, and I think you're right in your Luxembourg is a good, um, a good case study to, to be interested in and to, to kind of take a steer from. So assuming we're left with a handful of SMICs and assuming you're not one of those, um, you had a list of other options there, Owen. I think that the first was to create a Manco or if you have a Manco to, to uh, change the staffing model there and, and look at getting the, the staff numbers up around uh, three FTEs, depending on nature, scale and complexity. So benefits and drawbacks for a model where you have your, your own captive manco, I guess benefits you get to have a, a fully authorized manco that's part of your business, that's got the boots on the ground, that's all singing and all dancing, um, and you get the level of control and it, it may suit uh, the, the, the brand and the size of the provider. 
that they have their own manco. It might be what their investors expect of them. So there'll be a lot, uh, or certainly a, a cohort of providers for whom this is the right solution. And I know talking to investors or, or to promoters, sometimes this is really the only thing that they can see as being the solution for them, the, the third party model, and that it just not ones that, that they can wear. So where you see it, that the, the firms setting up and, and resourcing their own manco, have I kind of nailed the, the, the benefits there? Drawbacks, I guess we've got to talk about costs and, and staffing, but in terms of uh, benefits, am I on the right track, Owen? I think you are. I think it's fundamentally linked to the size of the manager. So, you know, since January 2018, approximately 100 applications to the central bank for licensed entities in Ireland. And for context, that's 100 onto a pre-existing 250 for the last 20 odd years before that. So a significant increase in, in appetite to put um, mancos in. However, if you're going to come in and staff a manco, you need to have a brand and you need to have pulling power to hire staff. So the big household names that have come in in the last two years, they've been able to hire staff. They've been able to hire staff from some other mancos, in fact. Um, but mainly the staff are being repurposed out of administrators, custodians, lawyers, <clears throat> risk professionals and so forth. But if you're a mid-tier manager or a smaller manager trying to staff up a management company, without a household name brand, you will struggle to find staff. And even if you find the staff, you may run into two other obstacles. One, um, their gravitas and experience and capability might not pass muster when it comes to putting in their IQs for their regulatory positions. And secondly, if you are repurposing staff out of the various other service providers, as soon as they have you know, that 18 months, 24 months experience, they have genuine manco experience and could be out the door working for somebody else. So I do think it's challenging for the mid tier and the lower tier to put in a management company, staff it and run it and meet all of its obligations. And if you're a US manager without a current footprint in Europe, then arguably that process um, gets harder. Yeah, I think it's a good point you've made there. Like it is a it's a labor market that has a, a talent pool, but it's not infinite. There is, there is, there's going to be demand and stresses there. I think you're- well, there, there are published numbers. I mean, the, the Indicon report for Irish funds, which is not uh, that old, has 16,000 people in the funds industry across the various providers. If you look at the number of management companies in existence, um, pre-January 2018 that have no substance, it's in or around the 200 mark, right? So you put three or four on that, all of a sudden you're looking for the bones of a thousand staff out of a footprint of 16,000. And you're looking for that thousand to have experience and um, savvy and gravitas and all those things to do oversight and run a management company. This isn't running a production line, it's running a management company for your, for your client assets. So it, it is going to be a constriction point when it comes to resourcing. And those numbers are before you even get to looking at SMIC conversions. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say they have no substance. I'd say that they, that they demonstrate substance to close oversight and control on a day-to-day -day basis. And their, their, their staffing model is a bit different than we see today. But Correct. I, there are different solutions in place currently. Yeah. I, I, so I, so I, just I talk about that. then, uh, if you have a sense for, I know, whenever you talk to anybody about this, it boils there quite quickly, the conversation to cost. Um, so 
what are the costs of having your own man code that does all of the things it needs to do? And what kind of AUM figure then is, you know, the, the point that you be at that in order to make this really a, a very attractive or, or even viable business option? Do you have a sense for that? It, that's a hard one to answer easily because it, it does actually vary on the asset class. And because of the variance in the asset class, that varies in the management fee that various people earn. So that contributes directly to your purchasing power of doing it. What I would say though is if you are running a management company, um, we have a rough idea that the line in the sand for minimum staff is going to be three. But we have heard anecdotally from competitors and peers in the market, their number has been north of 25. So whether you're a SMIC or you're an existing manco, that will need more substance, the costs may vary quite a lot. Then you get into the whole area of real estate, um, which is a little bit up in the air at the moment in the current pandemic where everyone is mostly working from home. Um, but you have all of the other costs of running something in country with licenses, with regulatory fees, um, running all of your various relationships from auditor to lawyer. Um, I mean, across our platform, outside of delegates, we probably have a further 60 service providers that do various different bits and pieces. All of those costs add up to something. And equally, when you look at your delegates, your official delegates in the eyes of the central bank, your managers, your admin, your depot and so forth, your distributors, you have to perform due diligence on those and visit them and meet them. And all of that travel and cost and staff to exercise that all starts to add up. So do you want to build out all of that from scratch, or do you use another solution like a third party offering or a full platform offering? Yeah, and I guess, um, you know, when I ask about cost, it's a hard one to nail because, uh, you know, ultimately it does come down to nature, scale, and complexity. So you might have a man code that is three people, and you might have another man code that is 25. And sometimes it can appear when you, I guess, if you just look at the raw numbers, that gosh, that seems like an awful lot. You really need to get into the detail of what that business is doing to understand why the regulator might think or the firm themselves might think they need 25 versus three and once you do that you often find actually you know, this is a big business with a lot of AUM and quite a bit of complexity in it so it can be hard to give a, a bold figure to say it's this when actually the it, it's very much depends on what an individual firm is going to do and, and that's what's taken into account when it's being assessed. So yeah. the, the old man code will work for some. You do need to have a certain size about you. The fact is the regulated financial services industry, whether it's here or in most jurisdictions, uh, is heavily regulated and the barriers to entry, therefore, are quite high. And so you need to have the resources behind you to get over that barrier and, and make it worth your while if you're going to go down the route. And it'll work for some and there are benefits to it, certainly for some firms. But I guess then if, you've, if you're in the, uh, in your, the business and you've discounted the SMIC and you've discounted be uh, setting up and staffing your own manco. That leaves you then, I guess, with the third party options, Owen, uh, be that either having your fund appoint third party as a, as a manco or actually going on to a platform run by a, a third party manco. Yeah. And again, it, it can depend on appetite. Um, there are certain asset managers will like the third party model because in that model, the actual trading fund is their own fund, and they like uh, they like to have full control of that fund. 
in many instances, if they have started their business, there's a very deep emotional connection to the fact that it's their fund. Uh, so to surrender that to a platform offering, it, it can be an emotional leap for, for some managers. Um, equally, in, they may have legacy issues or investor preference that they control their own structures. Um, so therefore, the, the, the appeal of a third party offering to satisfy the regulatory uh, obligations uh, dutifully, um, a third party offering really suits that. On the, on the flip side, if what you're good at is running and managing monies and you're not so good at the other stuff of running all of your service providers and all of your intricate parts that contribute to the overall product, or if you're not in or near jurisdiction, a platform offering is a great solution because you get to focus on what you're good at and you get the benefits of a platform where the platform has purchasing power that you benefit from. And the, the bigger the platform, the sliding scale of rate cards kicks in and that benefit accrues back to the fund and back to your end investor and the, the end saver if it's the, a pension scheme investor. So it is horses for courses, I think. Um, and that's, that's about it, really. That's about it. And I know at the Minicon session on the 2nd, uh, the 3rd of November, you guys are kind of be teasing some of the potholes with, let's say, you go down the route of a third party. The things that, you know, you, you look out for as you select, as you make your decision, and then as you transition, I guess, learning from what others have learned going before you. Um, but I guess the key point, though, is if you find that you are the promoter or the operating a SMIC or a, a, a Manco that has that older resource model and you now find you've got to do something different. There are options out there, um, each of them with their pluses and minuses. And I think as you work through the, the four, or if you had a, a, another European presence that you could passport in, which will happen, I guess, in a small number of cases. But as you work through them, I guess you land in a solution. There'll be one there that will work for you and they'll probably jump out compared to the other ones. So hopefully that session uh, on the third Owen will help people frame their thinking and probably leave the session thinking, yeah, I already know which of the four is going to work for me. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully clients already have a sense of this. Um, and, and if they don't, then I think coming along on the third, we hope to tease out the various parts of that. What I would encourage any um, asset managing shop to consider though is, you need to start thinking about it now because even if you identify your preferred preference out of those four options that we covered there's going to be a queue forming so you need to be at the top of that queue to get the preference that you wish for otherwise you may end up in another bucket that might be less palatable but still operational for you yeah it is likely that there'll be a lot of firms trying to do something similar at a similar time and that could create its own pressures but more to chat about on the uh, 3rd of November in the, in the session in Minicon. But to wrap up just by asking you to touch on one subject and find something I know you're going to cover in detail on the day. And that's around, I guess, the conflicts of interest between the management company and the investment manager, whereby the, particularly in the third party model, where the Manco is responsible to the regulator and responsible to the management of the fund, over manager. But in the first instance, it's the investment manager that will have chosen which of the third party mancos they, they want to go with. So I know it came up in the uh, 
ESMA letter to the European Commission on the AIFMD review, they talked about these conflicts of interest and whether they were unmanageable. So it's something that you're going to touch on in the session on Minicon. Any kind of high-level thoughts on that, what people can expect that discussion to revolve around? Yeah, look, I, I think conflict of interest, whether you call it conflicts of interest or transparency um, of endeavor, it, it needs to be always discussed. And, and even when you think it's all solved, the, the, the landscape is always shifting. So from a conflicts perspective, I think it's important that you talk through and understand how all of your structures work. And we'll go through it in detail on the day, but I think when you're looking at a management company solution in Ireland, which is laid out under the framework of, um, I guess what's colloquially called CP86, even though it's no longer a consultation paper, um, it, there, are, there are defined roles in there, right? There are six designated person roles and then there is the role of the OE from the independent director. And while a fund may select its management company, the management company also has to select that as a client and they have to be happy to take that client on. So even in our own business, when we look at prospects who might like to work with us, they have to go through a due diligence process for us to be comfortable to work with them. And I think that work that chronicling of work and saving that work available for inspection um, gets you over the hurdle of perceived conflict because most of that conflict is not actual, it's perceived. And the role of particularly the designated person for investment management who must look at the manager and do a due diligence on the manager and assess their performance, the role of the designated person in operational risk who will look at how that manager is conducting their business they all have their own roles and records, or they should have, of how they discharge their designated person responsibilities for that fund or structure. And I think if that is A, done with frequency, B, chronicled and recorded, and C, importantly, has evidence of challenge and that that evidence is stored, then there is no conflict. Yeah, how I see this playing out, and it happens already, is you're seeing the, the manco, usually through the designated persons, particularly for fund risk management or investment management, they're really engaging with the investment managers. They are probably, in some instances, certainly taking independent data sources and running their own analysis, but they're being quite you know, persistent and uh, detailed in how they oversee what's going on at the investment manager. And then when they have they are clear about what they are and look for explanations. So you're seeing a much greater depth and granularity of the oversight being applied to investment managers. And that's really how, yeah. what I'm seeing, that's how it manages the conflict. And a really interesting dynamic that's emerging. And I, I, you, might, you guys might get to it, and I certainly know John Finney in, in the session on the Wednesday is going to cover it, is, is the culture and this, this new dynamic where you might have an investment manager who's not used to this kind of a relationship and having to answer explain and uh, to, the, uh, to the management company and the DP as to why everything is the way it is. And, and that can create an interesting dynamic and you've got to manage that relationship uh, as well. So, so lots to chat through there at Minicon. Thank you very much yeah. for your time, Owen. I think that sets us up very nicely for the session that you and uh, Nicola are delivering on the uh, 3rd of November. Uh, all about CB86 Solutions staff up our third party. So thanks very much, Sean. Great to have you. Great. We'll talk soon.
Sure, and if you're interested in attending at the Funds Ireland Minicon, do check out fundsirelandminicon.com. Hit the RSVP button, easy as that. Put in a few details and you'll be in. You get your invite to the event. It's all free to attend. And there is an amazing free digital goodie bag available to all of the people who register and then attend some of the sessions at the Funds Ireland Minicon. I promise the content will be uh, worth your while, notwithstanding all these free goodies that you're getting as well. So funds are in a mini for all the details and your ability to RSVP and get in. Thanks very much for listening to this request podcast. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Equest podcast, a special edition. Conversations inspired by Funds Ireland Minicon. RSVP at www.fundsirelandminicon.com. For more information about Equest or Daniel Lawler, visit www.equest.ie.